This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome, Rink Reds, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 44. The what? What was it, John? What were you saying earlier? The Zarly Zalapski edition. The Zarly Zalapski edition. Or Michael, or the Jan Ruda edition. That's right. Yeah. Jan Ruda. <laughs> or may, Patrick Poulin. May he rest in peace. Um, yeah, episode 44, brought to you by the Overtime Podcast Network and our founding sponsors at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Head over, get yourself some rink wear, use the discount code the rink, or just get some puck hockey wear and use the discount code the rink. Um, Today is Thursday, February 21st, 2019. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. Who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey's just this nice bloke from down the road, isn't he? <laughs> That's the joy of the Jeffrey, you see. It goes away, but then it comes back. <laughs> I am joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. How are you, sir? I am uh, considering auditioning for Jesse Smollett's role on Empire. <laughs> because after all, anything can happen. Hashtag anything can happen, as we've That's heard. Right. As we've heard. And we are also joined today um, by Mr. Tyler Cameron, who writes under the pseudonym Justin Lowe. He's, been, he's a uh, rink cast veteran, I guess. He wrote as Justin Lowe at Hockey Buzz. You also, as we mentioned before, you're a published author. Uh, you wrote a book, A Dude's Guide to Surviving His Wedding. So I, I think uh, people are pretty familiar with you, but we had some really good stuff go on a couple weeks ago. So I figured we'd bring you back for the uh, the trade deadline episode so we could kind of hash this thing out. So uh, how's it going, Ty? Yeah, it's good. Thanks a lot uh, for having me again and happy to chat some uh, some trade chatter and some Blackhawks. Anything can happen stuff. The blogger to be named later. Yeah, I will be. I was talking uh, was yesterday with you, JJ. I will be changing officially to Tyler Cameron. Just uh, I'll leave that to some summer content. Right I, I, I'm, I'm not against having a, you know, a, uh, you know, writing name. Because I wrote pseudonym. under. Pseudonym. Yeah, pseudonym. I wrote under Gatekeeper for a long time. So mm-hmm. almost like eight years or something like that. So I, and I still kind of do. I kind of go back and forth. So anyway. But um, as you heard uh, in the intro and uh, at the beginning of the episode, we have joined a new network, John. Um, we have joined the over the Overtime Podcast Network. They're a sports network that um, carries sports podcasts. Um, we have, you know, made an agreement with them to have them host our podcast. So some of you might have seen the podcast pop up in your feed, uh, you know, again, <laughs> previous episodes that you had had. Uh, you listened to before may have come up again as new and we apologize for that. That's kind of some stuff that happened in the back end. Uh, but that's normal. That's expected. And, uh, but what you will notice is that, uh, you, yes, you're going to hear some ads. Um, it's kind of part of the, uh, the cost of doing business with podcasts and stuff like that. There's stuff that, you know, uh, hosting and things like that. And I don't want to bore you guys with all that stuff, but it does cost money to do things like that. And, uh, to be able to cover costs and break even and things like that, we have, kind of move over and move to a little slightly different model, but it's not going to change the content. Any content will be the same. Pock hockey is still around. 
John and I are still around. Um, this actually will probably open up some more opportunities for some other podcasts on the network to maybe guest spot on uh, our podcast or us to guest spot on other people's podcasts. So yeah, as a matter will... of fact, that's already in the works. Yeah. <clears throat> so this we're, is um, guesting on some other podcasts and uh, vice versa. So it'll be, it'll, it'll broaden the show and what we can bring you guys. And um, th- there will be some ads, but there'll be really good ads and um, short, short, but good ads. Um, so, but we're excited about it. the overtime people are really cool and they're really, um, uh, broadening their reach. Um, it, it's not just into hockey, it's in other sports as well, but we'll keep it focused on hockey here at the rink as we always do. Um, but, uh, we're really excited about it. Hey, Gates, does it change at all how people will access the podcast? No, it shouldn't. Um, okay. I worked all weekend <laughs> to, um, make sure that, um, hopefully all of your feeds will continue to be the same. Uh, I, I went to the different providers. Uh, I made sure that they updated all of the feeds and everything like that. So everything should stay the same. The only thing that might happen, like I said, is you might see some ep- some past episodes pop up to and show as new. But you'll know if you you know you're going to know if you've listened to them or not. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about that part of it. But um, I'm trying to do trying to make it as uh, you know uh, transparent to the end user as possible. So that's what we're. Uh, you know, but also uh, we did talk with them. They have some other Chicago area podcasts on the network too. not Blackhawks. We are the Blackhawks rep, uh, but they have like, uh, I think they have a Sox podcast. I think maybe they have a Cubs podcast. I'm pretty sure I heard and maybe even a Bears one. So, um, and I and I know they're also big into basketball. So check out the network, man. If there's some other sports that you're interested in, check out the other podcasts on the network. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what's out there for you. Um, so, well, um, that all, all that's being said, this is of course your favorite, or we are your most trusted sources on your uh, favorite online hangout, the dash rink.com. So the Blackhawks, the trade deadlines coming up, um, before we get too far into this, I want to bring in our boy Mario. Uh, he hasn't been around in a couple weeks. Uh, he's got a Rockford. Warpigs report. It's only a couple minutes long. After that, um, then we're going to take care of some business with some bills. And then we're going to come right back. We're going to talk with Ty. We're going to answer some questions. And we're going to talk about what's, what the Blackhawks may or may not do uh, with, the, with the trade deadline. So throw it over to Mario. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to do one of these uh, War Pigs reports, but uh, glad that I can come on and give you an update on the uh, world of the Rock for Ice Hogs. It's been pretty busy the last couple of weeks. Um, this week, highlighted by the uh, Darren Radish for Peter Holland trade, uh, Chicago sending Radish to the New York Rangers uh, in exchange for Holland, a one-for-one trade for two players that were uh, playing the entire season in the AHL. Um, it's a trade that makes sense for uh, the Blackhawks organization because of their depth at defense, not only this year, but in the next year to two years, um, is going to get pretty competitive. And with Radish, it just kind of seems like he was going to be lost in the shuffle. And um, for a team that is currently and in the future going to have uh, extra bodies on defense, um, you know, forward depth was going to be something that they needed to address. So in the exchange for Radish, they get back Peter Holland, um, a veteran of over 200 uh, NHL games and over 200 AHL games. Um, you know, kind of journeyman a little bit in his 
uh, short career so far, but um, you know, a, a guy that this year was playing for uh, the Hartford Wolfpack, um, and they were last place in, in the Eastern Conference, and he jumps into the Ice Hogs roster and is immediately uh, the highest point scorer on the team. Um, he's a guy that has already produced uh, 20, 20 goals this year, um, you know, with, with two assists in last night's overtime win uh, over the Grand Rapids Griffins. He has 51 points on the year. Um, so he comes in as a guy that can create offense, and that's something that the Ice Hogs desperately needed. Um, their last place in the AHL in goals four. Um, so creating goals is something that they really needed a lot of help with, and um, the trade definitely uh, addresses that. Um, as I mentioned, 3-2 win last night for the Ice Hogs over the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, buzzer beater in overtime. Um, Grand Rapids went out to a 2-0 lead in the first period. Uh, Ice Hogs come back with goals in the second and third period to uh, force overtime. Uh, and then with less than a second left on the clock in overtime, uh, Luke Johnson bangs home a rebound, and the Ice Hogs get the 3-2 win uh, over the Central Division leading Grand Rapids Griffins. Um, big two points for the Ice Hogs. Keeps, keeps them locked into fourth place in the Central Division. Um, obviously, the, the top four uh, teams in each division qualify for the Calder Cup playoffs, so... Uh, Rockford right now in a playoff position. Um, the 3-2 win last night, like I said, was uh, Peter Holland's first game in the lineup for the Ice Hogs. He had two assists, so he leads the team with uh, 51 points. In net last night was Anton Forsberg um, after allowing you know two goals in the first period. Locked things down from, the, from then on. Made 37 saves on 39 shots. Faced. Uh, he has a Season uh, save percentage this year of uh, 9.21, helping the Ice Hogs have uh, the best team goaltending save percentage um, in the AHL. uh, 0.918 is uh, 0.007 save percentage points better than second place. Um, Not only you know they they lead the AHL in in save percentage, they're um, in the top ten in in goals allowed. Um, you know, allowing uh, not, you know, obviously not allowing as many as they're scoring or allowing more than they're scoring. But um, being able to keep pucks out of the net is something that they've been able to uh, do well this year. So, um, like I mentioned in the uh, the trade for, for um, Peter Holland, uh, addressing goals, goal scoring and goal creation is um, what the Ice Hogs are, are, are trying to achieve. So if they can piece it all together, um, maybe there's another move that's going to affect them in the next couple of days as the uh, trade deadline approaches. But, um, you know, first uh, first returns on the Holland trade makes it seem like uh, he's, he's going to be a big catalyst in their offense. Um, like I said, Ice Hogs in fourth place in the uh, AHL Central Division. Grand Rapids leads the division with 67 points. Uh, there was a game earlier today in, between the Chicago Wolves and the Texas Stars. Um, the Wolves got the 3-1 win in regulation, so they now move into second place with 64 points on the season. Uh, the Iowa Wild, uh, they are in third place also with 64 points on the season. And then the Ice Hogs come in with 60 points in fourth place. Um, and then behind them is Texas with 57 points, Milwaukee with 56, uh, Manitoba 
with 55 and then taking uh, last in the division currently are the San Antonio Rampage with 53 points. So um, seven points separate the Ice Hogs in fourth uh, from the Rampage in last and 11 points separate second place from last place in the Central Division. So uh, much like last year was, it's a buzzsaw of the division, teams beating up on each other, and um, the Central Division is the only division uh, in the AHL currently where every team has more um, regulation and overtime wins than they do regulation losses. So quote-unquote technically every team has a, a winning record. In the central division so it's it's a tough division ice hogs are doing their best to uh kind of make a push here in the last uh, month and a half to get into the playoff picture and stay there um much like the blackhawks are trying to do uh the thing though for rockford is that they have played 55 games so far this year that is the most out of their division so um if they start to fall behind it at any time um, it's going to be hard for them to, to make up ground being that they are the team out in front um having played the most games so far. So good things going on for the Ice Hogs right now. Uh, they are back in action this weekend. A doubleheader Saturday and Sunday against Eastern Conference uh, opponents. Um, on Saturday, they play the Hershey Bears at 6 p.m. Central Time in Hershey and then turn around quickly on Sunday for a 2.05 p.m. Central Time puck drop. Uh, on Sunday against the uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Um, both teams that they have faced once before this year, both teams that they have beaten in regulation uh, in those previous meetings. So um, two big games uh, this weekend, and then uh, they will close out a four-game road trip uh, coming back uh, to, to close out the month of February. So a lot of good things going on right now. They have uh, you know a three three-game win streak going into this weekend so hopefully they can come out have a five game win streak and be a little bit more comfortable as the uh, playoff pitcher starts to take shape um, in the AHL so that's it for uh, this Ice Hogs report uh, send it back to you guys thanks this is the Overtime Podcast Network finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like how do I find a pro who can help Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. All right. Thanks, Mario. And there you probably had our first ad or at least our first break. Um, <clears throat> so anyway... We hear a lot uh, from people that are say we're too negative and all this other stuff. Uh, yeah, and we definitely are negative because the team has been bad. Uh, the organization has been bad. And and, and uh, now even though they're winning lightly, that um, doesn't necessarily mean they're a, a great team. But there are some positives this year, and I kind of want to bring them up. I want to start off by saying, hey, there's some good things that have happened with the Blackhawks this year. So let's start off on a high note. Let's talk about some of the good things the Blackhawks have done this year. And I mentioned this yesterday on Twitter, but um, I have to give Stan Bowman some credit. Um, he went out this year and he made some trades and he brought in Drake Kajula. He brought in Dylan Strom and he brought in Slater Cuckoo. And those are, considering what went out the door and what came in the door, those are considerable, considerably nice pieces for the Blackhawks going forward. They're young players. 
Now, I don't know whether Cuckoo's going to stay around. Um, Kajula's got one more year, and then, uh, of course, I think they're going to keep, you know, uh, Strom around. But that's really, you know, those are impressive pieces for the future. Um, on top of that, uh, you've got uh, the cat, Alex DeBrincat. Um, He's, what, 33 goals today? I think uh, yesterday was his 33rd goal. John? Do we know? 34th, I thought. Yeah, 33, 34, whatever. He's coming up on 40. He could, you know, realistically, with another month and a half, month and just a little over a month, he could get 40 uh, if he stays hot like this. So that's another good thing. He's kind of, and he's moved up the lineup, so that's a good thing. Um, You've seen Colin Delia come up the ranks. That's a good thing, a nice surprise. Um, You know, those those are all good things. So I don't want to... Maybe sometimes we are very negative because there are a lot, you know, there were a lot of bad things going on. But John, you you got anything you want to highlight as far as a good thing goes that that's happened thus far? No, I think I mean, well, I think also Carlton's done a really nice job as well, and I think we're, you know, I've been impressed with him. I've been impressed with him because he seems to really be immune to kind of the you know meathead stuff that's out there about Crawford and and this and that and the other thing. And I, I think I think Carlton clearly has his eyes on the years ahead um, and the maturation of the team. And, and uh, he's, he's rising above maybe, you know, some of, some of the other stuff that that's out there. And um, um, so that's a, that's a, that's a big positive too. I mean, quite honestly, you know, it's funny. I think Jeff, I sent you a message earlier today and I, I can't remember whether you responded or not, but I, I, I said, you know, just imagine if Bowman had gone out this past summer and made a couple of moves to really strengthen the defense you know, yeah. where this team might be today. Um, because, you know, that's really what the way it's kind of shaping up is that it's a very good offensive team and, a, and a, an improving and very good offensive team. And the power play is really clicking. Um, and, and that's all really good. But, you know, they're just a they're maybe the worst defensive team in the league. Well, and, statistically uh, they are. Yeah. Right. And that's why we don't get all crazy about this team and, you know, take pictures of ourselves wearing dopey hockey helmets and talking about running through walls and stuff like that. Because, I mean, this, the reality of it is, is that, you know, it's a work in progress at best. And um, I, I'm more excited about the, the future a year or two out. And we can talk about the, um, you know, the theories about all the defensive prospects are coming and that, you know, really illuminating piece that you posted this morning um, that kind of puts that all, all into perspective. But, um, you know, uh, I think um, I just think that it's 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 a little premature right now to get really too excited about this team or its prospects this year, because the reality of it is, is unless Bowman really pulled off a major, major coup that nobody saw coming at the trade deadline in terms of acquiring a couple of defensemen, um, you know, meaningful defensemen, which it just isn't going to happen unless that happens, though. Um, even if the team does sneak into the playoffs, which is still very much in question, um, they're not going to go far once they get there. Um, so anyway, Ty, what do you, you got any positives that we haven't hit already? Yeah, I think you guys covered a lot. I think what you kind of outlined there, JJ is, I'm pretty sure we all knew it was going to be a transitional period in the Blackhawks organization out were the years of championship level teams. Some of them getting older, uh, Kane and Taves, great bounce back years. That's, that's all positive. Um, however, I, I really liked, you know, you touched on Colleton. 
I've really liked how they have handled this transition. It yeah. was shaky off the start. However, yeah. um, they're on that, you know, that way back up maybe. Um, so I've been really happy with that. I still don't love the defensive game. I mean, who does? Um, the man-to-man defense isn't really cutting it for me, uh, but they can address that in the offseason. Like you said, JJ, if they can, if they can lock down a, an actual – legit top four defensemen and, and have some continued improvement on the offense. Um, it's, it's a good sign. It's a good sign to, to continue this year um, with their winning ways. Yeah. They've definitely got some building blocks. So yeah. before we get to, uh, you know, really super deep into this, let me rattle off some stats, just how the Blackhawks are sitting as it is today. Uh, they're 26, 26 and nine, which contrary to what, you know, you get fed by the media there. That's not 500. <laughs> it's nine games. They've under. got thirty-four law lo- or thirty-five losses, not twenty-six. Those aren't th- that last nine is uh, is a loss. So, yeah, they're they're basically twenty-six and thirty-five. Um, they have sixty-one points, tied for seventh in their division. Nineteenth um, overall, they're tied for nineteenth overall, but they were twenty-fifth a couple weeks ago, the last time we recorded. Uh, they're a tiebreaker out of the wild card position. So. For all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, they actually made it to the playoff race when the, but you know the season isn't over yet, of course, but at least they made it up, you know, up the standings a little bit, which is odd because if you look at them, they're seventh, they're last in the central, but they're almost in the wild card. That's how crazy this Western Conference is. But uh, the goal differential, they're up slightly at negative twenty-two. Their faceoff percentage up slightly at 49.6%. They are last in the league in the penalty kill by a full percentage point and a half still. That has not changed. Their penalty, their penalty kill is garbage. It just is. Um, their power play, they've moved up, and they've been constantly moving up. Um, they're eighth. They're tied for eighth, which at some points, I think they're closer to like 20th. So they've, that, they've re- that power play is great. Yeah, they're twenty one point nine. They're moving the puck. They're moving people. Um, they've they've got their mojo going. It's 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 fun to watch because I don't think the power play has been this good in years. No, it no. hasn't been. It, it, we we kind of really we had, we got a lot of questions in the uh, earlier in the year about the power play and stuff. And if you look traditionally over Joel Quenville's career, the there was maybe like one or two anomaly years in there where the power play was actually pretty good. For the most part, the power play was pretty bad the entire mm-hmm. Joel Quenville era, but they were able to, you know, get goals in other ways. But uh, as far as goals, uh, goals four, they're moving up. They moved up two spots. They're seventh in the league. So they're, you know, they're in the top 10, the top third. That's good. 199. But as we spoke about earlier, they're last in the league in goals against at 226. And that's by like three goals, I think, when I looked this morning. So they're last in the league in goals given up. They're last in the league in the penalty kill. They're 30th in the league, only um, ahead of the Ottawa Senators, who we saw the other day, uh, at shots given up a game. They give up 34 or 35.4 shots a game, which is crazy. They're averaging 35 shots a game. Um, and then possession numbers. This is another thing where... Um, they're not really that good. I mean, defensively in the possession numbers, they're scoring goals, but possession wise, because they're giving up so many shots, their possession numbers look like trash. They're 22nd in Corsi, 28th in Fenwick, both down slightly. Their high danger save percentage though is still pretty good. So, you know, I'm going to, 
I, I'm going to attribute a lot of that to, you know, Colin Delia playing really well. Um, Cam Ward finally finding a way to stop a puck. Um, and, and then, you know, Corey Crawford was in there too a little bit for a little while. He, and, and we're going to kind of talk about Corey Crawford too. And then um, in five on five save percentage, though, they're still in the bottom third of the league at 914. So um, there's a lot of things in the Blackhawks end that still need to be fixed. And call us negative, call us what you want, but the statistics aren't lying here. That they're a bad defensive team, and unless they get considerably better over the next month and a half, playoffs or not, they're going to be four games and out or five games and out, maybe six games and out at best. And uh, that, so that's where we are with that, with the stats. Uh, you guys got anything you want to throw in, you know, as far as, like, stats go, John? No, I don't have anything. Well, interestingly, um, you know, one thing to, to bear in mind is that the Hawks are um, they're tied in points with Colorado. Colorado is in the playoffs tonight, um, and Minnesota's playing tonight against New York, and they're up uh, a goal in that game. So watch that too, because then Minnesota wins, they leapfrog the Hawks, and I believe Colorado as well. Um, so it's going to be like this um, as long as all these teams are sort of in the same zone. Minnesota has played terribly the last ten games. The Hawks have played great the last ten games. Colorado is starting to come around a little bit. Vancouver's been bad the last 10 games. So those are things to watch too, especially over the last 20 games, because some of those trends are going to, are going to shift and um, that's going to have some bearing. Um, you know, and then beyond that is just, you know, the Western conference is not very good this year. And that's part of the reason you have this log jam of teams at the bottom that, you know, um, kind of all are, are jumbled in there. So anything that jumps out for you, Tyler? Yeah, um, that's kind of took the words out of my mouth. The West is so bad. It's so bad. Uh, How are you seventh in the Central and in the playoffs? Um, Well, kind of the worst defensive team in the league. But um, the whole thing is, too, and it'll relate to this entire podcast is yeah, it's going to fluctuate so much as you outline, JJ, and that puts the Hawks and a lot of other teams in a really interesting and difficult position to to how they handle this upcoming deadline um are they trying to go for it are they trying to get in and then anything can happen or um do they sell off even though they're in a race so it'll be interesting not just to see what the hawks do but also what other teams around them do yep yeah the blackhawks actually already made a trade um yesterday yeah yesterday uh Mario highlighted this in his War Pigs report, and he gave more detail on it. But just to bring it up again, Blackhawks traded Darren Radish to the New York Rangers for Peter Holland. Peter Holland is kind of a Chris DiDomenico uh, type player who's going to go down to Rockford. He's going to you know, be a leader down there, and it's fine. They need stuff like that. They need those young guys to make a long playoff run again. I don't have any problem with this move. Darren Radish, he, you know, he, he it was just a numbers game in this uh when he was originally signed, you know, they needed players like him. But since then, they've drafted a whole bunch of them and signed players and stuff. So they don't really – he's playing very well. He's putting up good numbers. But I, I never really saw him – despite what, you know, Laz and all those guys were writing, I never really saw him getting a, a you know, a serious NHL chance. Um, and, no. you know, he might get a better chance for the Rangers. So good for him. And uh, I think this is a good move for the, the Ice Hogs because Peter Holland's scoring – he's like a point-per-game player. Uh, playing on what was a last place team. So I think he can come in and kind of do that D Domenico thing that happened last year, kind of put the team on his back. And I mentioned this on Twitter, but uh, the Ice Hogs, they're, uh, they have the least amount of goals for in the entire AHL. And their fourth 
they're fourth in their division. They're still, you know, in a in a playoff spot, but they have scored the least amount of goals in the entire AHL. So, any center too. I mean, that's a strong position to pick up. A really good two way center. So, um, with some NHL experience, so it's all to pick up. And yeah, Darren Radish, like you said, he's a right handed defenseman as well. So, where's he going to fit in the future? Right. Yeah, I don't think there was a spot for him. Right. And Michael Latta, I think they they acquired him a couple of years pre- previous to, so right. it was, you know, they, they always kind of bring in, you know, a player or two to kind of bolster that, uh, the playoff run in Rockford. Cause you want those and guys. Remember Radish, sorry, Radish yeah. is, uh, he was on a contract that went beyond this year. So with Holland being a UFA, his contracts off the books, they probably won't even resign him, And that frees up a roster spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like almost identical to what they did with D Domenico last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brought him in, you know, got what they could out of him, and then kind of let him do his own thing. Yeah, actually, that's what they did with Garrison earlier this year, kind of too. He, he didn't want to report to Rockford, and uh, he moved mm-hmm. on after they acquired him. Ah, so um, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> so, well, let's bring up. You wrote a couple of pieces this week. Uh, one of them was the not so bold <laughs> predictions, and one of them was the bold predictions. Mm-hmm. Where should we start? Do you want to you want to go with the not so bold or the, let's go with the bold? First. I like yeah, I like the bold first. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I like I wrote the bold predictions first. Um, more of a conversation starter. Obviously, um, there's some wild theories being thrown out of what the Hawks should do. This was just more of a here are some crazy things that I personally don't think will actually happen, um, but some things that were kind of maybe making some headlines um, on message boards and on the Twitter machine. Um, so kind of, I'll just rattle through them. That's fine. Yeah. So, uh, the first bold prediction, um, and I wrote this one earlier in the week. So the first bold prediction, Stan Bowman sells at the deadline, yet the Blackhawks still make the playoffs. So obviously the boldest part here I had was the Hawks actually making the postseason and the fact that Bowman really doesn't have a lot to sell at the deadline. So I don't know if you guys want to comment on that. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty accurate. I mean, you, you don't want to be giving up future assets for some kind of silly playoff run that's going to, you know, get you two extra playoff games at home. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. That was the other thing too, is like we've, and this is kind of, you know, this is a bigger picture thing, but where where we, we heard all the, you know, Blackhawks could just trade for Panarin. Who are you going to trade for Panarin? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to have to trade Alex to to get Panarin. Yeah. Really? Honestly, that or a couple of first round draft picks. Um, you're not going to get Artemi Panarin that cheap. No. And, uh, no. so you're not going to want to give all that stuff up for Artemi Panarin, but we'll get back into that later. So go ahead, go to your next, you, you do your next one now. Uh, Blackhawks trade future hall of famer, Duncan Keith claims they are not rebuilding. I don't think Keith's Gooding moved. Uh, that was obviously the bold part there. And it, I mean, there's obviously been a lot of, um, whispers out there that did he wave his, did they ask him to wave it or did they not? Um, yeah, I just, I don't think he's moving and he might not ever move. Um, and that might be okay. Yeah. Anything, John? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a plausible scenario where they would trade him, um, and a, a, a rationale for that. There are also arguments against it, like the uncertainty of the cap recapture clause in his contract, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not terribly surprised that it appears they're not moving him. There certainly doesn't seem to be, um, a lot of scuttlebutt out there about it. Um, but, uh, it, it looks like it may be shaping up as a quiet deadline overall. 
Um, yes. I'm not hearing a lot about Panarin, for example, um, where I would think that Columbus would be, you know, moving heaven and earth to try to move him just to get some value because he's not resigning in Columbus um, in all likelihood. So um, it could end up being very, a very quiet deadline. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Keith is going to move it. All that said, um, there's a different way of, of approaching the deadline and a different way of approaching rebuilding where they could move him and perhaps get a first round pick and maybe a nice young prospect along with it. Um, and, uh, you know, but clearly it seems like and the Holland deal, um, actually kind of suggested to me that maybe, you know, if they do make a move, it's going to be like moving Marcus Kruger and or Anisimov. Um, and then Holland would provide you with a little more center depth going forward. And, you know, with the feeling being that losing Kruger or Nisimov wouldn't really hurt your playoff chances that much. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's, if they're not going to make big moves, I almost don't really care if they make small moves at the deadline. Because, um, again, I, I feel like they still have a lot of big moves to make to really rebuild this team. Um, and... Um, if they, you know, I don't know, I, I, I kind of, I'd be disappointed if they don't, um, just because, again, I feel like the trade deadline is a really good place to, um, if you're going to sell, to pick up futures, i.e. draft picks and prospects and, um, you know, or young players who you can plug in because, um, as we talked about before the show, I mean, there's more and more indication that some of these younger players that they're count that some people are counting on for next year, maybe not the team, but a lot of fans are counting on may not be ready next year and probably won't be. And um, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I, it'll be, it's really going to be interesting to see because the other thing is, is the last 48 hours before the deadline are always when things happen. Um, and it, we could be, we could be really surprised in a few days. That's a really good segue to my next one, JJ. And I actually saw that you posted something about, um, moving people in, you know, moving a player in season would, you know, garner the most return. It's just it whether does. a GM has the uh, stones to do it, uh, pun intended. Uh, the next uh, person I want to talk about is Eric Gustafson is traded for a big return. And before you guys jump in, I've had a lot of con- uh, discussion about this one. I'm kind of of the mindset of great Eric Gustafson and the Hawks power play is, is phenomenal right now. Um, however, I hate the way he plays the position overall, um, <laughs> complete and disregard. It, it, and it's not even, I, the, the, what, what makes me upset. And I feel like it's almost making me more upset as a, from a parent perspective that it looks like he's just not even trying and he's got the skill set. But he just wants to play offense and, and, and play to, you know, play up with uh, Patrick Kane. But, but a, one thing I did bring up is at, at what point do the Hawks engage a contract extension if they are keeping him? Um, and if people think they hate his defensive game at 1.2 million, they're really going to hate it at five plus million because if he is a top 15, top 20 offensive defenseman in the league, don't think that he's going to sign for two and a half million. Um, and then the last part of that, and then I'll turn it over to you guys. Uh, is there a, a universe where Eric Gustafson, if he is extended, and Adam Boquist are actually going to play on the same team when they're pretty much playing a similar rover position as far yeah. as I've seen in Boquist's um, early kind of career in the OHL and a little bit in Sweden? I mean, that's uh, – Boquist, Ian Mitchell, I mean, 
a lot of those guys seem to play kind of that rover position. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you, you can't have four of those guys on the same team and Duncan Keith and mm-hmm. uh, Brent Seabrook. Like, it's just a numbers game at that point in time. But go ahead, John. You got anything on that? No, I I mean, I've said the same thing. It's like, I mean, that's that's the rationale for trading Gustafson is you'd be selling high. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got Boakvist coming who, you know, in terms of projection is, is going to be a power play quarterback in the NHL and probably a good one. And, um, just based upon what, what little I've seen of him, um, there's, there's a really special skill set there that, uh, it, you know, on, on the surface would appear to be, have a higher ceiling than Eric Gustafson, um, offensively and probably can't be any worse defensively. Um, now, you know, maybe the team is is being very realistic about his development and deciding that it is going to be two, three years before he's seeing full-time action in the NHL. And therefore, that's that's the reason they want to hold on to Gustafson, who will be their power play quarterback in that um, intervening time. That makes all the sense in the world because they've gone several years without really having that guy to run a power play. I mean, Duncan Keith has never really been that guy. Brian Campbell was early on in his career, but in the the second go round, like so many second go rounds of Hawk players, he wasn't quite uh, what he had been before. So, um, you know, that's that's the rationale for it. But I also agree, and I I think it's a really astute observation that um, if they start paying him five million dollars a year, those um, you know uh, bonehead turnovers or or no effort turnovers or you know, pirouetting around just looking like he's looking for somebody to cover, but but doesn't find anybody to cover, that's going to get really, really acute. I mean, mm-hmm. the tolerance level is going to go way, way, way down. Um, and I, I just think, I think Bowman's got to be aware of that because um, if, if you're going to have him on the roster and have him running your power play, he's got to skate a regular shift five on five too. And furthermore, if they do get into the playoffs, um, playoff hockey is a different animal and you don't have three on three overtime anymore. And the refs swallow the whistles. So you have less power plays. Is is he worth $5 million a year? And that's in that scenario. So I think those are all questions that, that have to be asked about, about whether you extend him. Um, and that, the other problem is, is that he's having a really good year. He has obvious offensive skill and that is somewhat going to drive what the market is for his services in terms of salary. And you're probably going to have to overpay him. Right. Uh, that's tradition in <laughs> in Chicago <laughs> lately. Well, we've, and, you know. and if you're his agent, I mean, there's one thing to say the Hawks are going to resign. But is he? he's not going to sign for two years till Boquist is ready. Hey, we just want to sign. Right. Right. It's ready. He's going right. to want five years, six years, maybe that. But I mean, he would be right. stupid not to after he's bounced up and down from the minors. He's got to cash in right now. And, you know, do you do a five by five? I, I personally wouldn't. Um, but I that's why I don't get paid to be a GM. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And and, and something that uh, people may forget is that he signed through next year as well. Yeah. So that'd be yeah. six years you'd have him for. So I, you want Eric Gustafson to be holding back your your boy Bokvist for the next six years or what? Yeah, you tell me. I uh, I I have I'm going to be completely honest. My grapevine has been really really quiet this deadline. I've heard little snippets here and there going back several weeks, but um, this is the quietest deadline for me in years. And it would not surprise me if I were to hear that the Hawks are quite conflicted right now about what to do and they're listening to offers and they're listening to offers on some of the players we've suggested 
and they may not have determined yet what they're going to do. That That's also possible. Yeah. Would yeah, you- I think, uh, I'm not sure if you guys caught it, but Bob McKenzie in the uh, intermission last night was talking about what he's hearing, and he said it was highly, he would think it'd be highly unlikely that they move Gustafson. Yeah. That's coming from him, but I mean, um, it, it's interesting that he, the, the wording he said on that, and he said same thing as Elliot Friedman said the same thing, that the Hawks are trying to move an easy mob, but I don't I don't see that happening till the, till the summer when it, uh, no trade's completely removed. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, fun one about Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford is healthy just in time to be moved. Obviously, I do not think this is happening. Um, and I had to reiterate this in my <laughs> blog that I, that I am not posting these as a realistic. That's why they're called bold predictions. Um, and we don't even know. I mean, this is completely, um, you know, it's, it's the unknown with Corey, whether he's going to play when he's going to play. Um, and I know, I think, I think we're going to talk about it in a little bit. I saw in the outline of, of what happens with the goaltending, but, um, yeah, and I, I don't see him moved at all. It was just, uh, another bold prediction. Yeah. I think, I think the one thing with Corey Crawford is, is he may have been able to be moved before he got hurt again. Mm-hmm. I think that bringing on a $6 million goalie that's 30, what are you know, 34 years old that now he's at his second major concussion. That's kept him out for, for long periods of time would also scare teams away. So I think that, that makes him more untradeable than anything at this point in time. Yeah. John. Yes, I agree. Okay. Cool. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't see any, I don't see any teams trading for him right now. No. no. All right. Um, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Next one. Oh, I'm just going to move on to the last one. If you guys are good on the conference, yep. good. I know we're going to talk about that yep. soon. So, um, the last one, just for fun, Chicago acquires Matt Duchesne and sign him long term. This clearly is not going to happen either. Um, it does look like, while it does sound like it might be a little bit of a quiet, um, could be really quiet for a lot of teams, JJ, like you said, but I don't think it's going to be quiet for Ottawa. We just, the three of us were talking before we came on here. It looks like Stone, Dezingle, and Duchesne are all being held out for precautionary reasons, um, which means the negotiations with Stone did not go well. I'm reading between the lines um, as they've been talking a lot in the last few days. So um, could get really interesting in Ottawa. Um, and I think if there was a move like this, I think the Hawks can acquire a big forward in the off season or any kind of um, high end player. It's going to be in the summer at the deadline um, and maybe a, a hockey hockey trade thoughts. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see any of that happening either. Um, <clears throat> like you said, uh, that would be kind of one of the crazy things to happen out of left field if something like that were to happen, but I, I really don't see that happen either. Johnny. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, the Hawks, if they make a move, it's, it's going to be um, a hockey trade is really, it's a really good way to put it. Cause you know, it's so funny. So much of the dialogue I have with, with readers and fans on, on Twitter is, well, there aren't any defensemen available in um, UFA. Well, yeah, but UFA is not the only way you can acquire players. And, you know, I, I think Stan Bowman has not always necessarily gone the trade route um, um, as aggressively as some other GMs do. He makes smaller trades. Um, I think you can look at trades like the Strom um, for Schmaltz trade as being a shrewd and sort of mid-level type of move. Um, but like those big blockbuster trades that that other GMs often make, 
he, that's kind of not not been his style, but maybe he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to get more creative and more aggressive this summer to to land that one to two uh, or those one to two uh, defensemen that the team clearly needs, um, as opposed to waiting for some kids who aren't really of that defensive profile anyway um, and may not be ready next year, um, or pursuing guys you know in in, in free agency who aren't necessarily going to fill the bill and you have to overpay for them. So yeah, I think that was a really um, well uh, well said thing, Ty. There about um, you know making a hockey trade perhaps this summer as opposed to just going out and spending a ton of money in, in unrestricted free agency. Yeah, um, we can move on to the more realistic, not so bold trade predictions that I posted a we'll, couple days ago. We'll um, do that in just one second. Before yeah, we do okay. that, let's take a quick break, and when we come back. We will hit Justin's uh, more realistic uh, list of things that might happen uh, before Monday's trade deadline. So we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. So, Tyler, um, you uh, we just went through your bold predictions. Let's go through your not-so-bold predictions. These are not going to be flashy. <laughs> um Number one, Chicago stands stands pat at the deadline and looks to continue push for postseason. So wouldn't be surprised if Stan does not do anything. And um, what I what I did hear on my end and, you know, um, it has been quiet on a lot of fronts, as you said, JJ. But what I did hear was that there was a bit of uh, confliction, not amongst as much the hockey ops, but the PR and marketing side that with this um, renewed winning way that the Hawks are playing um, optics of trading off, you know, even smaller trades, whether it be an Isamov or a Kruger um, could look uh, a, a little off um, to the fans in terms of optics. So um, whether they stand pat and they just, you know, go with what they have um, could be an option. Thoughts. Yeah. I, that was that we, we've had, we had a lot of disagreement with uh, what the Blackhawks have done as far as them leading with their marketing team rather than leading, you know, with their actual hockey brains. So um, <clears throat> that would kind of drive us nuts with that part of it. But yeah, John. Uh, I, was, I was just going to say that if, if that's true, if that if that is, report is true, mm-hmm. then uh, I'll make a bold statement and say that the entire front office should be summarily fired mm-hmm. <laughs> if they're allowing short-term ticket sales and uh, you know the marketing department to call the shots in terms of hockey moves which you know this has been rumored for years and you know I used to I used to occasionally hint at this um, over on hockey buzz and boy did I take a lot of heat for it but um, you know when you hear when you hear things like this and they come from credible sources um, that's just that would just be a shame that would absolutely be a shame because um, you know, this is the one time of the year that a seller can really, really make out. And and um, if you can't even move Marcus Kruger, and I, I'm arguably the world's biggest Marcus Kruger fan, but at the same time, I can certainly see the logic of moving him for, you know, maybe somebody really likes Kruger's game as that, you know, penalty killing center and defensive defensive center, which he can still play. And, and maybe you get a third round pick out of it. And, you know, that that's a move you should make. You shouldn't even hesitate. And if you're worried about the optics with the meatheads about moving a Marcus Kruger and Artem Isimov at, at minimum, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, letting the uninformed meatheads uh, make your make your <laughs> hockey decisions is not a uh, plan for long term success. I'm sorry if, to tell you. If that is in fact what's going on, this franchise is doomed. I'm not kidding. I mean, you're you're looking at ten years of mediocrity if that's mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. Well, you guys will like the next one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bowman signs Evan Barrett and Ian Mitchell claims they're they are his deadline acquisitions. Oh. This has happened before with Dylan Secura. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, JJ, you kind of alluded to you know whether Holland's uh, the trade for Holland could be if a Kruger gets traded or a Nismov, but maybe they think Evan Barrett is the solution and Stan continues his trend of signing these guys early to burn a year off their contract um thoughts yeah I, this this whole burning the year off a contract i don't know what it the only person people that's benefiting is these players because the black mm-hmm. are getting nothing out of any of this it's no. crazy how they're doing that and you know last year with dylan sakura and look what he's done he still hasn't scored a goal in the nhl even though some experts out there said he was going to score 60 points this year in the <laughs> nhl not the ahl so that, that'll tell you how those experts are, but um, <clears throat> it's happened before with defensemen. They've done it with, you know, Dennis Gilbert. They did it with Blake Hillman, uh, John Hayden, John Hayden. Yeah. They've yeah, remember what you remember last year when all the scuttlebutt was, is, are they going to let Dylan Sakura get away mm-hmm. <laughs> now? Now they're talking about possibly trade. You know, I've heard people t- seriously talk about, well, maybe Dylan Sakura needs, you know, go. he's only a third line forward at best. Maybe he's got no confidence. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe he needs to go somewhere else because he's not going to fit in here. Wow, those Ottawa players have some really cool tape on their sticks. Maybe we should trade them for that. <clears throat> I mean, you know, that's a, yeah, that's just it. I mean, so Evan Barrett is apparently a very good college player. Um, but there's so such Drew a huge Lebal, gulf. Leblanc. <laughs> a Drew Leblanc, right. Um, there's such a huge gulf between the NCAA and college. And I think I, I really think Stan Bowman, in all likelihood, could would take back that statement he made last year about Dylan Secura being the you know big trade deadline acquisition. Um, because he, you know, that's that that is not uh, aging well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I, you know, I, I, we haven't heard him say that, you know, Evan Barrett's the, uh, you know, the big trade deadline acquisition. I actually think, and I've actually heard this said or read it that, you know, there's people saying, well, Corey Crawford, a healthy Corey Crawford is the big trade deadline acquisition. I, you know, I was, and I'll just address that for a second. I don't think goaltending has been the problem with this team. I mean, no. Kim Ward's numbers are not great, but quite honestly, he has saved this team's butt. A lot mm-hmm. of nights this year, and and recently on this win streak, he and Delia Bolt at times have really saved this team. And um, I, so, if Crawford comes back and plays like Corey Crawford, that's great. But he's still going to get shelled every night, and sooner or later, it's going to catch up. And uh, you know, so I, I yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing about you know our clever trade deadline acquisition that requires us to actually not get off the couch and do anything. Um, I, I view that with, you know, I take that with a huge grain of salt and uh, through a lens of, you know, come on, you can do better than that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I got to play this clip. I played it last week. And I'm going to play it again because I love it so much. And I'm going to keep playing it every year at the trade deadline. But here. Because I'm sick of timid little pants wetting GMs not doing anything because they claim that their terrible, terrible team is still in a playoff race that they're clearly not in. Uh, just by pointing like back to the one time that Andrew Hammond won 47 games in a yeah. row and the, and a team actually made the playoffs. And, and 
<laughs> That's right. Sean McIndoe at Down Goes Brown on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but I love, you know, he's got some of these these little quips that he comes up with, and that one was so perfect that I had to pull it from their podcast and bring it in because it's it just it is it, it's perfect. They they make these excuses about how their job is so hard and all this other stuff, and they can't make moves because their job is so hard. And, job is so hard. Oh, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, but again, Evan Barrett. Um, he might be a third line, you know, shutdown type uh, <clears throat> depth center, uh, which is not really going to do a whole lot for the black guys coming right out of college. He's probably going to, you know, struggle just like all the other guys have. And uh, Ian Mitchell on defense, he's still young. He's coming from college. Same thing. Like he's probably going to do what you saw out of, you know, Blake Hillman or, uh, you know, uh, Dennis Gilbert. They came up and they were just there. They were guys. And that's probably what Ian Mitchell's going to be because he's going to probably need a whole summer of mm-hmm. training for pro hockey, just like Evan Barrett. He's going to need a whole summer and, you know, fall of training for NHL hockey, not, you know, a long coming out of a long run of college hockey playing against college players. So if he even signs. <clears throat> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. He can go back. Yeah. Uh, the last one would be the most plausible and smartest option, in my opinion. Blackhawks make minor tweaks, keep eye on future. Um, that would be your, you know, the trade scenario. Same with you, uh, JJ. I'm actually a big Kruger fan. Um, I think he, even if it's not for much, a late round draft pick, which uh, might not sound like a lot to get some draft picks out of this, but the Hawks have been actually really good at the draft of. Um, compiling a couple of those picks to move up to get a Philip Kurashev, which yeah. they did this year, and a Nicholas Nord- Norgren, which they did as well. So um, getting a couple extra picks is not the worst thing. Kruger is most likely not being back unless he uh, coming back unless he wants to sign a league minimum. Um, but even then, probably not. I think you see a guy like Forsling maybe on the way, kind of on the outside looking in. I kind of go back and forth with him. Um, but they, they legitimately need to make more room for some of these defensive prospects, whether it be bringing Yoki Aryu back up um, or, or even looking forward to next year when some of these guys sign, whether it be um, or move to Rockford, whether it be Bowden or Chris or Mitchell. So, um, and then the last part of that is if they do move some of these guys, um, as, as I just mentioned, some role players, you can get another look at a... Um, uh, a, a Luke Johnson and a Matthew Highmore, which I think is really unfortunate that Highmore is hurt this year because I think he'd be doing a better job than um, Dylan Secura right now on a third line, uh, play a little more responsible role. That's my personal opinion. Mario uh, and Aaron, uh, Mario and Aaron will agree with you, and they're going to be clapping as they listen to this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I really like Highmore's game. Yeah. I think I do he's too. Versatile. I think he's he's a he hunts pucks down. He's he he yep. wins fifty fifties. Um, even Victor Itzel, who's been a big disappointment. Um, I mean, if the Hawks end up falling out of it, you can get another look at him. They still can, but if you do free up some room, Lucas Carlson's another one I'm really intrigued by. He's playing with Yoki Haru in Rockford. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on, on the Blackhawks make minor tweaks, but keep eye on future option. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what's actually going to end up happening, but you know what, to kind of parlay it just a little bit, um, I had, I was having a, a, a text conversation with a friend and he brought up someone who John knows very well 
that uh, has kind of gotten forgotten, even though he played pretty well when he was up, was Alexander Fortin. Yeah. He, you know, while he wasn't finishing, that's something that can come with time. But he was making the plays. He was fast. He was there. He was engaging. He played way better than Dylan Sakura's played in mm-hmm. both of his stints when he was up here. You know, he was, just, he was noticeable on the ice. I don't find that he's even really finishing in the, in the AHL either is my only concern. So unless he tweaks maybe his role, that's, that's my big concern because a guy with that much speed and um, maybe he turns into a – harnesses that a little more into a defensive style game, like a Michael Froelich pivot, if you will. Yeah, yeah, instead of being like the the uh, Victor Stolberg, uh, yes, exactly, clone that you, you he is right now. You watch him play at ice level; he is all up the ice. I mean, he's really relentless on the forecheck. He also yeah. likes to sneak in behind defensemen and get and gather in that stretch pass too, and use his speed that way. <clears throat> yeah, I love Highmore though. I remember Gator remember this a couple of years ago. I was at a, an exhibition game in Columbus, and and uh, I I remarked that the best player on the ice was Highmore. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always around the puck. He's super competitive. Um, you're, you know, he get, he does, he gets those 50, 50 pucks, which is something I love about Kruger. And mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure you too. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, it would be great to see those guys up, but, but, you know, speaking to your, your last point, um, I, I almost wish we could call this option half pregnant because yeah, that's what I feel like this team has been. And, this little run now at the end of the year, while it's fun to watch and, and it does, you know, bode well for some things for the future, at the, it's sort of allowing the organization to stay half pregnant. Well, we'll see if we can sneak into the playoffs. Uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll make a little move here or there. But it, again, I, I going back to an earlier theme, I, I really feel like the thing that's going to restore this team to greatness are going to be bigger sweeping moves that, that they have yet to make. And I worry about Stan Bowman, is he the kind of GM who can do that? Is he, or or does the organization allow him to be that kind of GM? Because the last GM got fired because of that, um, because the organization didn't like how independently he operated, and they said so when they fired him. So I'm, I'm just I'm, again the half pregnant thing to me. While you know the meatheads can get really excited about you know uh, what this team is doing and ignore the things it's not doing, like stopping goals from going into its own net, um, it, it just it seems like it's it, this is what the Detroit Red Wings did after 2009. Yeah. You know they just stayed half pregnant and they sort of semi rebuilt and you know they went out and got Mike Green and um, Thomas Vonick and and. Now, finally, after they've really kind of sucked for a couple of years, they've, they've drafted some really good players. We saw them last night, you know, Dylan Larkin and, and uh, Andreas Athanasiu, uh, sorry. Yeah, Charlie um, Romiliotis would, would, would like to weigh in on that name. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, that's, that's, I do think this is what they're going to do. They're going to go the conservative route and the safe route and – the fans, enough of the fans are giving them uh, permission to do that by buying this, you know, this team, this team's shtick, hook, line, and sinker. Um, and yes, it's disappointing to me because my point of view is they should be making bigger, bolder moves and not worrying so much about this year and really looking at, at you know, two, three years out. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's so many question marks. I mean, even the guys who are the... <clears throat> you know, in, in, in Rockford and stuff, uh, that, that show some promise, show some promise in a future third line role. None of these guys are like top end guys 
So we got to see what uh, that that's kind of why we can go back, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, like why we were all for the tank. It's not because we like to see the Blackhawks lose. Like really the grand scheme of things here is we want the Blackhawks to build up a farm system of offensive defensive players that can come up, that can turn this team back into some, uh, you know, a dynasty again and win for a long period of time. That's what we want. But that doesn't, you know, you, you, you can't stay like the Patriots. Like what the Patriots have done is not realistic for any other franchise. It's just, you know, it's not how things are in the NHL. It's not how things in the, you know, in the NBA, there's peaks and there's valleys and the, the, the Blackhawks have kind of hit this valley where they need to take advantage of it. You know, build that farm system up that's pretty weak offensively, other than, you know, they got the, the defensive guys. So, and in goaltending too. I mean, so that, that's just mine. Uh, anything else to wrap up on that? You guys, no? I got nothing. No, that's, that was the end of the bold and not so bold. <laughs> Okay, so they were outstanding. They were both boldly <laughs> outstanding and not so boldly outstanding. <laughs> Thank you. All right, as we go into uh, at least our before we go into uh, questions and stuff, let's take one quick break, and we'll come back. We'll kind of talk about some of the other things, and then we'll go into questions, and then we'll get out of here for the night. So okay, and we're back. We're going to go through the last part of the Blackhawk stuff. We kind of alluded to some of this that you saw in the outline, Tyler. You were saying this. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some things that I threw in here. Let's go back to the goalie thing. Let's start with that because it's kind of front of mind right now. Corey Crawford's been practicing with the team regularly. They said he wasn't going to travel to Detroit. He actually did travel to Detroit. I don't know what that accomplished. He could have done the same stuff at home, but whatever. Then maybe they would just want to see how he was doing. Um, Cam Ward and Colin Delia still doing all right, like John, you mentioned a little bit earlier. So what happens? Corey Crawford, there's some, uh, I don't know, confusion as to what because Corey Crawford says I'm ready to play and then they said yeah but he has to get these tests on he has to pass his final physical and all this other stuff so he's not really he's not really he hasn't passed it yet or he hasn't taken the test yet but he feels he's ready to go and take that last test and then be activated when that happens you've got three goalies on the roster um, that's too many so what happens um, there's all kinds of scenarios that can happen um I was having a, a side conversation. My thoughts were that if nothing happens before the trade deadline, Colin Delia has to go down. I mean, that's obvious that you can't send Cam Ward down. They can't send Corey Crawford down. So they're going to have to send Colin Delia down back to Rockford, and he would then step in, and he would play in Rockford probably throughout the playoffs. Uh, I have some concerns about that in, uh, for several reasons, but um, <laughs> one of them is that the goalies down in Rockford have been playing pretty well together. Now you bring Colin Delia in late in the season, and while it's great that he's a good goalie and everything, what does that do to the chemistry of that team who has now built their team around Kevin Lankinen and Anton Forsberg? So that could be a questionable thing. Uh, Colin Delia's, uh, you know, he, he did his long playoff run in the AHL last year. Now he needs NHL experience, and he's not going to get that say they do make that long playoff or not long playoff run, but say they do make that run for the playoffs in the NHL, the, the Blackhawks. And uh, it would be good if Colin Delia was there to see that, which he wouldn't be. Now, my, my second, what I think is an outside chance it could happen. Probably not. And you kind of mentioned the Corey Crawford 
you know, being traded thing. And we, we discussed that. But my thing was that maybe they're going to try and move Cam Ward to a team that may need, uh, you know, a solid backup for a long playoff run. Um, but, of course, you're going to have to deal with there's no movement clause. But he's, I think they're kind of maybe showcasing Ward. That's why he's been playing so much lately. And I know Delio's pulled, but they've been playing Cam Ward a little more lately. Uh, I think maybe they're kind of showcasing him, getting him out there so that people see his name out there and maybe they want to, you know, take him off their hands so that they don't have to make that deal you move and move him down. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I'll jump in. The um, The Ward thing's interesting. I think, obviously, it's up to him. And I think it's up to him beyond this year. What's his plan? Um, I know the last time I was on, we kind of talked about it wouldn't be a shock if, um, with the uncertainty with Corey Crawford, do the Hawks re-up Cam Ward for another year? Very plausible. Um, obviously, the Delia signing kind of changes that a little bit since we last talked. Um, I, I think it's it, well. It is. It's obviously up to him. He's moved his family to Chicago. Um, the first time he's moved since well, in his entire career, he's been in Carolina. Um, does somebody want him? I can see a team looking to make a deep run um, going for him, but. I just think it's the, the timing's too tight. Um, Corey Crawford, we have no idea if he can if he can play and play at what level he's going to play at. Um, and if he goes down again, and Ward is traded, uh, what do you do? I mean, obviously right. you have Delia, right. um, but but one thing that I a, a, a different scenario um, that I want to throw your way is I would maybe keep an eye on um, whether the Hawks um, because there is believe it or not uh, a shortage of goaltending in the nhl with nhl experience you see the what the flyers set a record for eight i mean they're always a disaster in that but they set a record for eight goalies i think in one season um there's been people kind of bouncing around um vancouver's had some issues with their goaltending what if you actually see anton forsberg moved um for depth because the hawks do not plan on signing him Delia goes down with Kevin Lankin in and they share the net. Delia obviously getting the primary starts um, for Rockford's run. Um, that That's something that kind of popped into my head of a possibility. Uh, Anton Forsberg has proven himself as an AHL goalie and could serve as a third goalie for a team that doesn't have the depth heading into the playoffs. So that was kind of my thought process on, on the goaltending. And I'm really curious to see what happens with Crawford and when he plays and how he plays. I agree with all that. Um, and I, I do think that uh, that last scenario where they possibly would deal Forsberg makes a lot of sense. Um, and I also, you know, it, it, it's funny because as, as you were speaking, Ty, right before you got to it, I was thinking the same thing about the whole Crawford and Ward thing. Mm -hmm. They're really they're really in a difficult position um, because yes. um, if they deal Ward, first of all, they have to get him to accept a deal. And it kind of sucks. You've given the guy a no movement clause. And now, you know, you're you're off again, on again, healthy goalie comes back and it's like, oh, we'll see you, Cam. You know, you've you've absorbed 40 shots a night for us and saved our you know what's a lot of nights and we're going to send you send you away for a guy who, quite, quite frankly, although he's been a rock for this franchise for 10 years, um, we can't we probably can't count on him for more than a month. Um, and, you know, I've had this conversation on the Twitters and and. Um, with people who get really upset about the fact that, you know, Corey's coming back and he's going to be great. And guys, concussions don't ever completely heal. They don't. And 
He's 34, I think going to be 35 in January, I believe. Um, and he's missed significant portions of the last two seasons played, you know, missed more hockey than he's played by a wide margin. Um, and I, so I, you know, you've got this guy Ward who, um, has, you know, he's not the greatest goalie in history, but he comes in, he battles and he'll win some games for you. And he would be a wonderful tutor for, uh, for Delia, which I don't, you know, if Crawford's not with the team, if he's hurt, if he's in the dark room, he can't be a tutor for Delia. Um, so they're in a, they're in kind of a difficult position. And it's funny because, and I think I alluded to this on a couple of shows ago, and I certainly talked about it in the blog, you know, when Colleton was asked about Crawford coming back, he's like, Hey, look, I wish the best for him health wise, but you know, it, 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 we have to kind of be focused on who's here now and, and the future going forward. I mean, that's what he said. Um, because he's recognizing that, you know, God bless Corey Crawford for fighting to come back and for being a warrior. But at the same time, the ship is kind of sailing. And and some people may not want to accept that. And he may come back and play really well for the last month of the season. But at the end of the day, the end of his career is nigh. Whether it's this year or it's next year, Crawford's probably done pretty soon. That's a great point. I just want to add to that. What what a difficult position for Bowman moving forward yeah. after this year. What does he do? Like, do, you're kind of in a position where, sorry, Ward, we can't, if they even wanted uh, to think about re-signing him for another one-year deal, they can't. And, they, and then what? They've got to wait all summer, and there's not a lot of good goaltending. Um, UFA, I mean, there's some, but you really want, I mean, that's a position you want stabilized, and Delia great deal they signed him to a million a year for three years but i mean the guys played 20 nhl games they don't want to be in the exact same position that they were two years ago cam ward has come in and actually done exactly what they wanted him to do this year and, and have that veteran stability so yeah it's a really tough spot yeah i i really <clears throat> i don't have any really super good answer right here either um i that's a good point that you bring up about forsberg um that would have kind of been my, like my third option that I hope, you know, that they move maybe one of those depth or one of those guys in Rockford. And then that would open up, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a uh, spot for, you know, Delia a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It's I guess we're going to see this weekend. It's going to be it's going to be an unsettling weekend, I guess. So um, also um, there, there are a couple things that I threw on here and they, these were just things that came to mind. Um Shifting to the defense a little bit, um, I'm seeing a lot of hate for Carl Dahlstrom, and I don't understand it. Um, I think he's been perfectly fine where he's been at. He's played with Connor Murphy, I think. As I've looked, I, I kind of looked this up because I, to the eye, it, it seemed like this, but I wanted to make sure the numbers back this up. And it, basically, uh, Dahlstrom and, and um, Murphy are playing like the least amount of offensive zone starts for a defensive pair in the NHL. They start almost every shift in their own end and they're not getting caved in really bad. I mean, the team overall isn't great, but <clears throat> they don't look horrible. They're not like, you know, in the Rose of all the last Rose of all days where everyone was screaming for Rose of all's head or uh, Seabrook when he falls down or something like that. I think they're, I think Carl Dahlstrom has been okay this year. I have no problems with the guy. 
I think he's big. He's a big body that they don't really have in the system. Um, and kind of in the same with Connor Murphy, I don't have really a problem with that pair. I think if you, you know, put some better players around them and not, you know, Eric Gustafson, who's, you know, down below the other end, you know, the other team's goal line drifting around. If you put some actual guys who can play some defense on the other pairs and stuff, I, I think they could be a decent shutdown pair eventually. What do you guys think about that? Um, Dahlstrom's had a couple of rough games recently. It's funny because I almost feel like the the Gustafson zombies that are out there now want to make Dahlstrom the bad guy. <laughs> um, and I don't so think you're has, I don't think you're too off too far off on that. But go no, ahead. I don't think I am either. And um, you know it's it, you know but listen first of all let's not expect too terribly much from Dahlstrom. I think you know there's not probably a super high ceiling for him, but I do think that he can be a serviceable five through seven guy in the NHL and, uh, you know, definitely more stay at home. And I do think like, you know, I've seen Murphy pinch a couple of times lately and just get absolutely burned and guys get behind him. Um, And that happened a lot, for example, in the Columbus game where those two guys had a terrible game. And I I think that Colton's got to just tell those guys to keep it simple and don't try to be Gustafson and, you know, don't try to be Duncan Keith, just play within yourselves and play your game. And, and, um, they could probably be fine as a as a third pairing, which is you know really what they are now, um, you know going forward. But um, I I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean they're they're fine. I, again, I just think that they need to keep the game simple and uh, you know do do that basic job first and and let the uh, you know the Gustafsons and the Keiths and um, you know whoever else be the guys who are, who are way up ice. Yeah, my take on that is um, I'm seeing the same things with Dahlstrom. I just mentioned the other day um, that I think he maybe hit a bit of a wall. But what you guys both just said, probably the reason Dahlstrom and Murphy are hitting a wall, Gate, going back to what you started the conversation with, Mm -hmm. is because they are being taxed so much for defensive uh, responsibility. And they're the only ones really, um, not the only ones, but they're being relied on a lot. Um, when Murphy came back, I thought that was a, obviously a big um, stabilizing factor to the blue line. And then Carlton very quickly brought Dahlstrom up, even though he wasn't playing well. Um, he, he believed in him and paired him with Murphy, and they have been a really great pair. Um, but I think, JJ, you mentioned they, they've had a couple really... Dahlstrom specifically, I feel, has had a couple bad games recently. Um, and you actually saw Slater Cuckoo take a lot of his minutes away last game. So Cuckoo was actually moved up to, to Murphy's uh, pair as well um, to kind of have those defensive responsibilities. So I don't know if that's going to be a trend moving forward, but the, the guy might be just gassed a little bit, but I think he's a fine player and, and yeah, good third, like five to seven um, type guy, exactly how you guys listed him. Um, he's probably just really, really tired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he is what he is. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know. They got to hate somebody and yep. You know why <laughs> we got our hate for Gustafson, even though he's good on one end of the ice and uh, everyone else has got their uh, hate for Dahlstrom, I guess. And the last thing too, uh, I kind of want to bring up with Bowman's latest theme this year um, has been rehabbing, um, maybe disappointing, I guess is the word I would select or the, the word I would use disappointing former first round picks. 
Um, you know, with Strom, he wasn't really doing, you know, obviously they wouldn't have traded him if they thought he was doing that well. And he's found, you know, that, that he's found some chemistry here in Chicago and he looks really good. What, what are your guys' thoughts on this Jesse Pool de Jar Pool G Jarvi thing in uh, Pulio Jarvi? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I've heard I've heard it with the 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 hard J's and the soft J's. Um, Pulio Jarvi. Yeah, I've. Um, I remember him in the draft being he was ranked higher than Patrick Line up until like the last month or so, where Line kind of uh, leapfrogged him, and uh, but I mean. What do you guys think of what's going on there? Is is that something the Blackhawks should look at trying to acquire? What do you think? I mean, he's a big he's a big guy, so what do you think? Uh I I'll jump in. I think he would be I, I, I honestly don't think Edmonton should give up on him. Um I don't know if Edmonton is just a place that players go to die. Um, but something, something's in the water there. They said, I think, um, when they fired Chirelli, but I don't think the Hawks would have the assets that Edmonton would want back. Um, especially Keith Grexy's the interim GM. He's under probably a pretty close watch. I would assume as to the deals they pull off. And if they're training a guy that they just drafted third or fourth overall a few years ago, they're going to want a lot back for him. I don't think Dylan Secura and um, a pick is going to do it. So my vote is I don't think the Hawks have um, what Edmonton would want, but I could be way off. Um, But yeah, he's a big Finn who can play the game the right way. And maybe he's a bust and maybe he just hasn't found his groove yet. Yeah. Or maybe he's just somewhere, somewhere between Capo Caco and Patrick Laine, somewhere in there. Cause they're all kind of cut from the same cloth. At least they were. Uh, with mm-hmm. their size and, uh, you know, kind of their the way they play. John, what were you going to say? No, I just, I don't know, honestly. I'm not going to pretend to know enough about uh, Pulio Yarvi to comment because um, I, I don't see Edmonton play that often. But, um, you know, I will say that he, there's just a lot of players. I, like, I remember Magnus Pajarvi Swenson, um, and not because, I'm not reminded of him because his name sounds like Pulio Yarvi, but more he was a guy who went in his draft year. He was a big player. He was very, I mean, People used to rave about him and about his upside, and he just kind of never panned out. And, you know, that could sort of be the case with, with uh, Pulu Yarby. You, know, you just don't know. And, and um, again, that's for, you know, Ty, you said very elo- eloquently. I mean, that's for Keith Gretzky and the people in Edmonton to figure out. Um, I, again, I don't know enough about him, um, you know, to, to say whether, um, you know, it's worth looking at him or not. All right, cool. Now that's... Just thought I'd throw that out there since it's, you know, they're kind of dangling him around. Uh, it kind of is starting to remind me of what happened with the Dylan Strom thing because he was third overall uh, years previous. So that's kind of why I, I tied that in there. Um, I, did we kind of hit the, the thing you were talking about, about the uh, anything can happen, uh, Bowman, Bowman last summer kind of thing that you wanted to talk about? Did we hit all our points on that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, with that, we'll take one last break. We'll take questions and then we'll get out of here. So we'll turn it over for the break right now. All right. Welcome back. Um, let's get right back into it. Let's wrap this up. We got a couple of questions. We didn't get a lot, um, <clears throat> which is fine by me because we could end up getting a little wordy here. But uh, the first one, Craig Carlson, 
Outside of Eric Carlson, what realistic options on defense are there for the Hawks to sign as free agents? Or uh, do they or they likely have a, the pieces available to make a trade? Uh, we kind of talked about the trade thing earlier. They probably don't. Not for anyone of any substance. So as far as like this summer, you guys got any ideas of... I mean, we talked about Carlson, but anyone else you guys got in mind? Um. You know, as far as, as far as defensemen go, they're they're in in excuse me in free agency. There are not there's not a lot of the guys that that you would think you know could really help this team. Um, it's kind of a thin year. I mean, Carlson is clearly the the head and shoulders best of the of the bunch, um, and I, I think you know he'd be great actually. If they brought him in, but um, it, you know the costs would be high, and I'm sure there's going to be you know he'll end up being overpaid like all you know the big unrestricted free agents do. So I, I, for me, I think the move, and I think Craig mentioned it in his question, I believe, the the, the right move is to uh, to investigate a trade and um, you know find a defenseman perhaps who's you know 26 or 25 or younger, um, you know who checks the boxes you need um, in terms of uh, you know rounding out that defensive core with a guy who's perhaps you know more more responsible in his own end, perhaps more physical. Um, you know, a guy who's not going to wilt under a stiff war check, which is a problem this team has right now, big time. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, th- I think it's more the trade route and, you know, but th- there's a lot of ways you can do it. I mean, you can go out and, and get another forward in free agency that could give you some flexibility to deal one of your current forwards. Um, so, again, but I think Bowman's going to have to be creative and the and or, you know, those above him. Um, are going to have to let him be creative. Yeah, as far as like uh, defense and go, if you go to puckpedia.com, friends of the show, um, and look at the defensive free agents this summer, the UFAs, just the UFAs, is Carlson, Gardner, Myers, Adler, Cronwall, Strawman, Hainsey. I mean, it's, the list goes down quick. Uh, once you get past like six or seven, you're you're down to Jordy Ben, Nick Jensen, uh, Jay Bowmeister, Dan Girardi. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you're really getting down into the slime at the bottom there. Yeah, there's just not a lot there. Um, but that doesn't mean that you should, you know, not pursue the kind of defenseman you need. You're just going to have to go the trade route. And that, again, requires a little more creativity, um, you know, examining your own organization and seeing what are your strengths that you can deal from. You know, um, you, you've got all these young, highly touted offensive puck, puck rushing defensemen, you know, at, at, at the prospect level. Um, they're, they're not all going to be able to play together at the same time in the NHL. You can't have a blue line full of 175 pound puck rushers. It's, it's just not realistic. So maybe you package one of those guys along with a pick or something or you know somebody else off your NHL roster and you get that that defenseman you need. Yeah, yeah, I was looking also at, um, not that this happens, and the likelihood of a, an offer sheet really happening is slim to none, or at least being successful. It may happen, but that doesn't mean the other team isn't going to uh, you know, match that. But uh, noticing that Gustav Forsling is an RFA, um, you know, they could maybe potentially trade for a, you know, a, a different type of RFA, uh at the trade deadline, you know, getting rid of Gustav Forsling and maybe taking on someone else's RFA that maybe is more of a, 
you know, defensive type player that could, you know, help bolster that back end. But that's just that's just me throwing things, you know, against the wall here. Because in RFAs, you got there's Truba, Wierenski, Ryan Murray. Uh, then there's a few good guys there. <laughs> yeah, Will Butcher, yeah. Travis Sanheim, uh, Essa Linden from uh, Dallas. I'm not real familiar with him, but Ivan Proverez, uh, CC Cody CC, Neil Pionk. Uh, you know, decent names. Charlie McAvoy's out there, but. I don't see Boston letting him get away. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, Mirko Mueller, uh, Mike Riley. I mean, eh, Derek Pouliot. There's some guys out there, but, I, I, you know, I don't see him going after an RFA, if, if anything. So, uh, Ty, you got anything to add to that? No, I, I, I just I think you guys kind of covered it. I think outside of Eric Carlson, there's not a ton there. And to be honest, I would be – if I were the Hawks, I'd be looking at a left-handed shot over right, just based on what they have um, coming up the pipe. And there's what Seabrook yeah. Murphy, Seabrook Murphy, and Yoki Haru kind of are probably your next um, three up next year. Or so yeah. on the right side, um, you did nail a couple. I think the trade route is definitely the way to go. Um, you a gate. You mentioned a couple guys that um, obviously the RFAs are are probably going to be signed. Um, you know, a lot of teams don't let a top four type younger defenseman get away. But I like I like the way guys like Ryan Murray play, mm-hmm. Travis Sanheim. Uh, um, another guy would be like a Jake McCabe from Buffalo, um, a little more physical. Um, that would be a guy that you could maybe pair with Connor Murphy as a maybe upgrade from Dahlstrom to move Dahlstrom down to a third pair. But, yeah, there's not much there. I think you have to trade the, the free agency um, UFAs are are not good. Yeah, and uh, a team who is going to have some cap issues uh, coming up real soon, who may have a hard time signing this player. And I'd love to see him on the Blackhawks. I don't think it's realistic, but Jacob Truba from uh, Winnipeg, yeah. would be awesome. He's twenty four years old. He's already making five point five million, so he's gonna he's gonna have a pretty big payday. But he's that kind of player on the back end that you know that's that could be a difference maker in the future for a long time for this team. But I don't see that happening. And maybe, you know, Bob Murray needs to get creative and and maybe there's a way to pry pry, uh, Josh Manson out of him. Probably not. But uh, boy, would he be, would he look nice on this blue line? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. He's a, he's a right-hand guy, but maybe you send, maybe you send a a Murphy and obviously it'll take more than that. But um, like you said, JJ, maybe you package, um, Nicola Bodin, you know? yep, yeah. yep, and yep. same with Truba. There's a lot of reports that Truba doesn't want to be in Winnipeg, um, and it took him a long time to sign that 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 latest deal. So maybe he does want out, and maybe you know uh, Stan can call, call up his buddy Shevoldayov and make something happen. Yeah, I, I, I've been hearing a lot. Uh, I've been hearing Montour a lot. Yeah, is a, a Anaheim guy. could make some noise. I was just listening this morning. Um, sports radio around here and they said Anaheim if Bob Murray wants to wants to put any of those guys out there they could be a pretty active trade partner uh in the next 48 hours yeah, yeah. all right well moving on next question um Ken Kallenbeck and the governor the honorable governor uh our, our photoshop guy, photoshop guy and all around uh class clown uh, they basically their question was they're gonna fucking blow this, aren't they? <laughs> and that is the you know getting a high draft pick potentially because they haven't been able to in the past. Yeah, uh, it, it's looking that way. I honestly I said this last night when I was watching a game. I just threw my hands up in the air and I said I give up. 
Because it's like, I, I want them to like follow, see this through, get a high draft pick. Just this one year, you know, win every other year. I just was ready for it. I was prepared for it. They were heading down that road, and now they're going to, now they're going to do this stupid playoff run and you know, okay. You can't tell a guy, you know, you can't tell a team to lose. And Patrick Kane is having a, you know, a career year. Alex DeBrinkett is already having a career year. Jonathan Taze is playing out of his mind, which no one, you know, really saw this happening. And Brandon Sod seems to be having some sort of resurgence on, you know, Dylan Strom is a diamond in the rough and Drake Kajula is turned into a decent player. All these things are happening on the offensive side, which is making this team fun to watch, but they're like fun, bad is, <laughs> you know, the hashtag fun, bad because it's, they can't keep the puck out of their own net and it has nothing to do with their goalies. Their goalies are just taking too many shots and they're going down to the other end. And they're scoring goals too. So you're seeing what happened, you know, eight, seven games and, blowing 4-1 leads and all this stuff happening. Um, I just, I don't, they're going to do what they're, you know, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. Uh, I don't, you know, I think they're going to screw up the whole getting a high draft pick thing. Um, and someday down the road, we're going to be able to re, you know, re look at this draft and, and there's going to be, you know, five guys that, out of the first 10, probably that maybe turn into really good NHL players. And, uh, maybe even more than that. And uh, we could sit here and say that, you know, the Blackhawks may have missed out on an opportunity uh, to get another player they can pair with, you know, maybe Alex to bring it and uh, become that, you know, next sort of Taves and Kane kind of player. So any, anything you guys got to add to that? No. All right. No. Cool. Uh, next one, Aaron Lewis. Is there any chance they trade any one significant it says significance, but any one significant now, significant player now that they think they're getting in the playoffs. Um, I think that kind of really goes back to what Ty said in his one thing about, you know, they may sell something off and uh, still make the playoffs. I think that's kind of where he's going with this. It's kind of. Yeah, I don't think there's any to be huge moves. No, I don't either. If I, yeah. You know, I. I I'm all for chaos. I, I like seeing the chaos. Like it, I said it, we've been saying it for, you know, months now, like some kind of craziness, um, good or bad. It kind of lights the fire, makes it exciting and emotional. And I don't think I see that happening. You know what? what? The, uh, the, uh, question that we got about, is there anything that Stan Bowman can do that can, can do that we would like? If he made a really like if he made a really bold move at the deadline, if he went out and somebody just put together a, a an offer he could not refuse for Eric Gustafson and he pulled the trigger on it right now, I know I know a couple of people us who would, would applaud him for that, you know. Um, but uh, no, that's the, the I think I just I think again they're gonna I think Ty's right they're gonna they're gonna sort of stay the course. And, um, you know, they've got enough people believing in what they're doing, whether they believe it themselves is another question, um, you know, that they're going to just stay with, stay the course. Yep. I am in agreement. Uh, you may see a couple of, uh, depth moves and new players in the Blackhawks system on Tuesday, but, uh, no, no one of any significance And Jackie Davis. She had several questions here, so we're going to wrap up with her. Uh, several articles I have read lately say that the front office has not decided if they will be sellers or buyers at the deadline. I'm sure that is thanks to the recent run of, of 
wins in the playoffs uh, and their need to push the playoff angle. Of their newest young players who have come to the team, which ones do you see staying besides Strom? Uh, well, Kajula, for one, is signed through another year, so he's going to stick around. Uh, they may qualify Cuckoo. He seems to uh, be okay, but again, they've got a ton of defensemen, so they may not. They may have just been looking to get a contract off the books. The same with this Peter uh, Holland thing. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess that's it. You guys, anything? I wouldn't. I wouldn't completely give up on Brendan Perlini. I know a lot of people aren't the biggest fan, and I, I don't know if he's been completely healthy, but he's a big guy who can skate. Um, yeah. He makes questionable moves sometimes, but I remember watching the Coyotes, and he was a guy who always stood out. And even yeah. right before he, right before he came over, Patrick Kane even made comments saying that he had watched the the Arizona game and. Perlini was the one guy that stood to him who was all over the ice making plays. The only, the, well, one of the criticisms I would have to him are um, just pl- like a little bit of meanness to him, or like it, he almost seems at 6'3, 200 pounds, um, adverse to contact. So, I mean, if he, if he got that little bit of snarl in his game, he's got a hell of a shot. And that's a guy that I, I you know, you could get him on the cheap and, and maybe. You know, throw him as a fourth line extra forward. So, I yeah, think I, he, I I agree. I mean, Perlini's more the kind of player that they need. They need more of that. And now, Perlini himself has got to kind of get it together um, mm-hmm. and and start translating that into results. Um, I don't know. I mean, um, he's he's sat quite a bit, so I, I'm not sure that Colleton's a believer in him or not, or he's trying to send him a message. I thought, you know, and the other thing is that Slater Cuckoo's been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the other, you know, the other thing about it is, is again, it, do we want a defense of Slater Cuckoos or do we want to go out and get the players who are going to really be the difference makers who vault this team back into cup contention? Um, so I, I, again, I, I, my, my one cautionary note to the organization would be, you know, let's not get too satisfied with some of the acquisitions we've made at this point. Um, but rather let's, let's, you know, keep setting our eyes, you know, really high as, as far as, you know, what we, what we want to rebuild this team with. And that's not to pick on Slater Cuckoo. He's been okay, you know, but, um, the other side of it is, I, again, I just, I, I, I hope they don't get too satisfied with some of these younger guys and give them too long of a chance. That's an excellent point. And I've, I've kind of been chatting a little bit about that as well, where didn't we think it was crazy that the Hawks brought back the it back the exact same pretty much defensive core as they did yeah. last year expecting different results well I mean they're a tear it's remarkable how bad they are defensively um and I like the same thing no no slight to Cuckoo I think he's been fine but do you bring back the exact same crew and say go right. at it again right right I mean Sort of good enough may not be good enough, and and that's not to bust a cuckoo. Maybe you know he'll step up again next year. You know, I mean, yeah. and maybe Brendan Perlini will. And this is why you know the the hockey op staff and and the coaching staff are paid with their pay to make those decisions. Um, I I don't know. This is kind of a callback to what I was talking about a little bit earlier with Puliyarvi from uh, the Oilers, which was you know black, uh, Stan doing you know this reclamation of possibly uh you know old 
uh, first round draft picks. Slater Cuckoo was a first round draft pick as well. So that's, but you know, for every, you know, Dylan Strom and, uh, and stuff you get, like I, I had uh, retweeted this morning on Twitter, you get the David Runblad situation. <laughs> so John kind of brought that up as well. Like, you know, everyone's all, you know, high and mighty and, uh, Adam Boquist and we, we actually, we kind of talked about this in the free chat, which was that, uh, you know, there may be some questions whether, uh, you know, Boquist is two or three years out. And, uh, you know, David Runblad came from, you know, Sweden and came highly rated and everything as well. So let's be careful. Let's temper our expectations. And uh, just to think that Adam Boquist might step in next year. I don't I don't think he thinks he's going to step in next year. So, you know, let's reel it back in, guys. Yeah, we we got to make they're they're gonna have to make moves for next year, uh, whether Bocris is here or not. So, uh, yeah, she has other questions. She she mentioned the Crawford thing we already talked about. Uh, she also said, which is a good way to, to to probably wrap these things up, is can everyone stop the Panarin nonsense now? The cat seems to be giving the team enough offense. That's you know a, a point that I've been trying to make as well. If you bring Panarin in here that takes to bring it off the first power play that you're basically rendering him a lot less effective than he could be. Um, I think uh, let that ship sail. Uh, let Panarin go do whatever he's going to do with his package deal with Bobrovsky and uh, you know, they can go uh, cost some team $20 million together. You know, it's a more plausible thing that Anisimov goes to Columbus to play with Panarin than Panarin coming here. Right. I agree. Yeah, I that personally, it's you know, that's I don't he's not coming here. Uh, not now. No, no. And, and I don't even see it happening in the summer. Um, I, I just can't especially. And and this was, a you know, I have had my differences with Mr. Lazarus and stuff, but those guys brought this up on the on theirs, their podcast um, with how the Blackhawks were so worried. Remember, remember hearing last year how worried everyone was that they weren't going to be able to resign Nick Schmaltz. They weren't yeah. going to be able to afford him. And then on top right. of that, the year after that, you know, they were going to be able to, what about Alex Dabrinkit? I don't think anyone expected Dabrinkit to come out with what he came out with this year in his sophomore year. Like he's at 34 goals or whatever could, could hit 40. Anyone with, you know, anyone realistically looking at Alex Dabrinkit are like, oh yeah, if he has 30 goals again, that's going to be really great. He may hit 40 this year on a bad team. So when it, when it comes down to having to, to sign him for something, and I, I saw some questions, uh, I, I didn't put it on the outline about what what do you think that you know Alex Debrinket could bring in, and I, I thought I I thought a comfortable number for the Blackhawks and for Debrinket is I don't see them max, they may max him out. I don't think they should, um, but I thought five years at seven million dollars a year was probably reasonable, and and, and based on his production, that that may be what. Uh, what you see, but uh, what do you guys think about that? Uh, that's kind of going off the script, but what do you guys think? I, I, I quickly just want to say one last thing on Panarin before I go to Debrinket. Yeah, you know who doesn't want to see Panarin traded and just stick with the jackets and see what he does in the playoff is Stan Bowman because if he would have actually kept him, and I'm not saying I'm not um, advocating either way, but if the if the return is huge for Panarin. Bowman could have did the same thing right now um, to get kind of those rebuilding blocks um, with the same contract that he signed him yeah, to. You're right. So, it, it, but 
if he stays, we'll never know. Uh, but if he is traded, if if Kekalainen trades him, um, that'll be a, quite a debate, I think, amongst um, Hawks fans. Anyway, uh, moving from that, Debrinket, yeah, five years, seven million, sure, sign me up. <laughs> he's 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 been awesome. Um, I think it it depends on the way they want to structure the deal. Um, I think I had a if I want to throw it one last bold prediction, um, would if on July first or or shortly after. Debrinket and Strom um, sit at the podium together and re-sign um, long-term deals together. Uh, not to be the next Taves and Kane, but um, they're best friends. They're best friends on the ice and off the ice. Um, it could be kind of a cool moment where they almost use that as leverage to say, hey, well, you guys are the next wave. Um, why don't you sign these deals together? And it might not be eight, like you said, Gabe, but it could be five, six years. So it could be an interesting, um, interesting look at it. But yeah, he's going to get paid. He's, he scores, and goals are a lot of money. Yep. John, you got anything on that? I do not. Okay, cool. Well, I think that wraps it up, guys. Um, so you can find all of our comprehensive content at www.the-rink.com. You can find us on all the popular social media, at The Rink Official, at The Rinkcast. I am at Puck and Hostel. John, you are at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L. Uh Tyler, you are at Justin Lowe with an E, HB for Hockey Buzz. So it's Justin Lowe HB on Twitter. Uh, you can find all of Justin's, Justin or Tyler's writings over at Hockey and Buzz. And I'll be soon. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, we kid because we love. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I just want to say a, a couple last few things. Uh, if you get a chance, please head over to iTunes, rate and review us. That's going to help us out. Now that we're, you know, under a different model a little bit, that's going to help out even more. So please go. If you like what we do here um, and, and from based by based on the numbers, there are people out there who do like what we do. Uh, like <laughs> share with your friends, um, you know, it, it, let's expand the audience. We like to grow this uh, even more than it already is. Um, we thank everyone for uh, getting us to where we are because, uh if we weren't getting the audience that we already had, uh, people wouldn't have noticed us and, and offered us this opportunity. So um, I also want to bring up Puckpedia. Um, if you notice over on our Hawks uh, cap page that we have, um, it's now uh, run or at least powered by Puckpedia, our friends at Puckpedia, Hart and the, and the crew over there. So uh, that will automatically update and everything. If you want to go check out all your contract stuff uh, with the trade deadline, Puckpedia is the place to go. Um, I don't think I have any more plugs. John, you got anything? Um, just uh, please patronize our founding sponsors, puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y. Um, just fantastic um, hockey and uh, theme and collaboration uh, themed um, gear and accessories. and, and headwear. Yeah, there you go. Um, they're really good people. They've been helping us out with a problem. Um, a uh, issue we've got going with PayPal um, and they've been fantastic about it. I just want to thank those guys and, and again, encourage everybody and get that rink sportswear, buddy. That's good looking stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tyler, you got anything else you want? I mean, we, we can plug your book again, a dude's guide to surviving his wedding. Go out and get that. Um, but anything else you want to uh, plug? No, just uh, all my work will be over at hockeybuds.com for anything hockey related, Blackhawks related. Um, I blog on my site, tylercameron.com as well. 
Um, and yeah, no, that's it. Just looking forward to the, to the deadline and, um, just be weary of those fake Twitter accounts. It'll be my only warning. Oh my God. Yeah. Who, who was it? Drew yeah. Rosen this morning got nailed by one. I think it was. I didn't see. Yeah. Drew there's, Rosen there's, from there's the a NA- lot of, uh, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there fooling people these days. Yeah. Drew Rosen from the, uh, Drew Rosen. Is that his name? Drew Rosen from the NHL. Um, he got nailed by a, uh, fake one that said that uh, Adam McQuaid had been traded to the Toronto uh, <laughs> Maple Leafs. Uh, and then it, he quickly had to retract that that he got nailed by a bad account. So, mm. yeah. just, I, I will say that Adam McQuaid, McQuaid did just leave the game on precautionary, so he might actually be traded now. Yeah. Yeah. And that well, wasn't from a fake account. I double-checked. <laughs> yeah, that's what he, uh, he said. He, he's like, Adam McQuaid hasn't been traded yet. Uh, but yeah so yeah I, I, what I normally do is if, if I see one I block it just so it never comes back in my feet again because uh, that's the last thing I want to happen get all crazy about you know bowling making something some trade that I wanted to happen get my heart broken uh, alright cool I think that does it so uh, everybody thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download download listen and support us until next episode see you on the link This is the Overtime Podcast Network.